Yeah, Lord, we, we look to you. We thank you, Lord. You are, you are great. You are magnificent. You are awesome. And Lord, as we just study and, uh, your word, um, yeah, Lord, pr- we pray for your Holy Spirit to, to uh, bring life into our spirits, to, uh, to, for things to make sense. Yeah, be communicating to us. Lord, please work through me and the, the things that I say. We just want to commit this time to you uh, in our worship of you. Amen. Okay. So, so today is actually um, quite an important day for me. And the reason for that goes back 42 years. Because uh, in, for, for quite a while, I had been sort of looking at the, the Christian faith. I came from a, a non-Christian family. And I, through the testimony of various people, including Doug Harriman, who you know, and many, many others that you, uh, that you don't, but also people explaining things and so on, I'd come to the conclusion that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the son of God, and that, that he died to save us. And I thought that that made me a Christian, that just having the agreement in my mind was enough. But then, on the morning of the... 10th of October, 1979, I was in a chapel service, and then suddenly Jesus became real to me, and I experienced being born again. And what had been just in a mental agreement became a spiritual reality. I don't know exactly what happened. I haven't got visibility of that. But something changed. I changed, and uh, what was just something that I thought became something that I experienced deep within. Um, and it's important, I think, to, to have that in mind, that we need to get spiritual understanding <clears throat> as well as mental understanding of things. I wouldn't want to be without, <laughs> with the, without the mind. I wouldn't want to be without intellect, um, what little I have. But, yeah, we, we actually need an understanding in the spirit. So, this talk is, uh, is about the church, uh, and it's, it's called Glorious Things Are Spoken About the Church, part one, <laughs> because uh, I'm not going to finish today, and I'm going to continue next week, hopefully. And you might, may not have re- remembered it, but um, a number of people have been talking about the church recently, and all, all during September. First of all, we had Rich talking about the priesthood of believers, and then... Um, I think Nita came and, and talked about the um, purpose of the church. And Jody maybe talked about the flavor of the church. Um, what are we looking for? If you remember, we did that study on Acts 2 and, and saw that those early believers, they, um, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the believers and to breaking of bread and prayer. Um, and so I'm going to be talking about the glorious nature of the church and, and uh, and uh, the vision for the future. And I'm going to be drawing a lot on uh, the book of Ephesians, which is a really rich book, I think, of truth. Like in Isaiah, it says, your soul will delight in the richest affair. And I think that's what happens uh, when we read through the book of Ephesians. Okay, so, okay, can we bring the, the, uh, start the show? Uh, (laughs) 
Ephesians 1. Um, let's, let's read it all together, shall we? Let's, uh, let's all get involved in this. These are very familiar, familiar verses, but I, I want to home in on, on particular parts of it. And let, let's try and uh, grasp hold of this. So, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hang on a moment. God placed all things under his feet. That's Jesus. Fantastic. We're seeing Jesus exalted. Appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, uh, in Matthew 28. And then it says, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In what way is the church the fullness of him who fills everything in every way? This word fullness and what what this means actually has been debated in scores of um, commentaries and um, you know, covered many, many pages of writing. Who knew? Um, <laughs> but people have grappled with this. What does it mean, the uh, fullness? So Christ, Christ the head, the church, his body. In what way are we the fullness of him who fills everything anyway, in, in every way? Well, one thing I, wa- I want to just impress on you is the fact that we need to get a spiritual understanding of it because when our minds run out we won't get it but here is something that God wants to reveal to us and it's truth it's truth it says in Colossians verse 1 when Paul prayed for the Colossian church he says for this reason since the day we heard about you we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So God's heart for us is that we are filled with the knowledge of his will, but that doesn't happen just from study. That doesn't happen just from thinking about it. That happens through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's a spiritual element to it. It's a bit like my experience of being born again. I had it in my mind, but there was something in my spirit until that point on the 10th of October that was missing. So I'm not saying that analysis is, is not in some way useful and it, it's good to, to think about things you know, quite thoroughly. Do you know what this is? I just need to explain to some of the young people. Uh, this, is, this is called a CD. <laughs> it's, people used to actually listen, uh, listen to music on it. And it was one of the... Uh, <laughs> and then some of the older people were saying, well, that's all I use, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, 
But yeah, they're, they're, they've fallen out of use. But this was one of the, uh, the earlier forms of digital media for, for listening to music. But supposing I was from another planet, or it's, it's supposing that everybody, all knowledge about what CDs were, was lost for the next few centuries. And then somebody finds it. And um, I find it, and, I, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I've got no idea what's on it. However, I've got a lot of sophisticated equipment, so I can actually I extract all, all the data off it. And so I read the data, and um, I see something like this. There we go. <coughs> all the data, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? And that tells me a lot about what it is. In fact, there, there would be pages and pages and pages, like a million pages uh, of stuff like this. This is in the form called ASCII. Um, well, that obviously is not making sense to anything. So I could take the data on here, and then I could bring another analysis. I could write everything down in, um, well, we've got decimal on the left-hand side, and then we've got hexadecimal uh, on, on the, the, the next column, and loads and loads of data um, that I can understand. I could be the person who studies every part of that data, becomes an expert on it. Um, I could draw a histogram. Um, of all the, the occurrences of all the different data. Yeah, just gain every knowledge. I could uh, bring another kind of graphical representation of what it was. Okay. Um, but I still haven't really understood what the composer meant or what the creator of this CD intended. And I haven't really got it. It hasn't really got into me until I put the CD into the... CD player, and Completely different, isn't it, from the data analysis? <laughs> By the way, does anybody whose name isn't Bartel know what that piece was? Yay! Well done, Dave. Yeah, very well-known piece. So just, yeah, just with that illustration, how can we understand what the fullness of the fullness of him who fills everything in every way means? Well, accept it by faith is the first thing. It's, it's, it's what it says in the Word. And then meditate on it. And then ask God uh, uh, and pray it through and live, live according to it with that, with that faith, with that belief. I just want to say that glorious things are spoken about the church. That's just one of them. And that probably some of them are not the church as it is now, but it's the church as God intended and we need to, to grasp hold of those things. Just about on that word fullness, um, an amazing thing that Paul said to the Colossian church, which is that um, in Christ, the fullness of the deity 
lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ. That's another one to, to meditate on, isn't it? Let's move on to, that was just Ephesians 1. I'll just uh, put an, another way which you might want to think about the fullness and how is the church the fullness of him. Maybe think a bit as the complement of Christ the head because a head without a body isn't complete. And in, in some way we think, how can we possibly complete Christ? But in some way he has chosen to, to be made complete or complemented by his church. Um, the head with the body, the shepherd with sheep, the vine needs branches. I, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The bride and the bridegroom. Let's, uh, let's move on to Ephesians 2. And let's read a, read a bit of that together. So it's just been, Paul has just been talking about about the, the Jews and Gentiles and the Ephesian church, which was mainly a, a Gentile church, um, have been brought near into fellowship uh, with the Israelite believers. And this is what it says. Let's read it again together. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. First he talks about you know, the whole building, probably talking uh, about the worldwide church. It's joined together, rises to become a holy temple. He's got a, a, a vision for the church, which is something that is growing. It's not just something static, but it's, it's a building that is rising. I was just t- talking to Neeta yesterday, and I was saying, do you know that you, we can have an idea about the church, which is like a club mentality. I know we've talked about that quite often, said the church is not a club. And yet, if we, ha- we think of it as something that is there to make us feel good, something to, you know, we enjoy the fellowship part of it, and, but we think, we're thinking in terms of what can we get out of it, that is a bit of a club mentality, and we can all fall into it. But a building mentality is something quite different. This is something, it's not that actually we do the building, but we're actually being part of the building. This is something that is growing. This is something that needs to develop. Glorious things are spoken about the church. We've yet to see anything like fulfillment of that. And then he talks about your fellow citizens. That's a kind of nationalistic term, isn't it, being a citizen. But then, um, can we flick, flick back to the previous slide? Uh, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. It brings it into a much more close family, the kind of words being used. Brothers and sisters, uh, members of God's household. And then finally, and in him, then he turns to the Ephesians, having talked about that sort of big worldwide 
vision for the church. And he says, and you too. It's not just for them. It's you. You too. Let's read it together. And instead of putting you too, just say we too. Right? And this is uh, Epping Forest Community Church. And in him, we too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Fantastic. That I find exciting. That is inspiring me to, uh, to be part of the building, to, yeah, to play my part, because it says everybody plays his part, that the, the whole building rises. We're running quite short of time, so I'm going to cut this talk uh, a little bit short. What I, I want to say is, yeah, there's two, two things I'm just going to finish with. Okay. Next week, I'm going to be talking from Ephesians 4 and talking about being joined together, a vision for the church that involves unity. And the way things look to me at the moment, that is, it all seems impossible. It seems like a, a dream. And yet Jesus, in John 17, prayed to his father and just before uh, he was arrested. And he said, my prayer is not for these alone, uh, but my prayer is for all those who will believe through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So the, the challenge I put out is, what did Jesus mean by that? How did the Father hear it? And did he say, well, that's a nice thought, son, <laughs> but you're under a lot of pressure at the moment, and you know, don't worry about it, but it's never going to happen? Or was Jesus praying according to the heart of the Father? And if so, what does that unity look like? What are we expecting to happen? And what would fulfill and answer that prayer of Jesus? The second thing is this, that all of it seems totally impossible. But if we turn to Ephesians 3, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So fulfilling our destiny as a church is impossible, humanly speaking, but God. <laughs> but with God, nothing is impossible. And I just really want us to, to grasp hold of that, meditate on it, think, of, think about it, and allow the Holy Spirit to feed in you what he wants to teach us through all spiritual understanding and spiritual wisdom so that we don't look at the church with human eyes just from a, a natural point of view, but we, we, we understand this is a work of God. And with God, nothing is impossible. And I'm going to stop at that point. Awesome.